the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We ask that you would be with our words today. Anoint what my special guest, Greg, has to say. Also, what I would have to say, Lord, let it be in perfect meaning with you. Lord, I pray that you would um, bless this time in Jesus' name. Okay, we're in Psalm 68. And again, this is David, and I think I mentioned before that um, these psalms are meant to be sung. Uh, And so we're starting here, Psalm 68, to the chief musician, a song or a song of David. I'm only going to get to verse 7. There's a pause there where it says Selah, and I'm just going to take a break from there. This is a pretty long psalm, so I'm going to break it up into three um, sections. So let's go ahead and start in verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises unto his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jehovah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holiness, in his holy habitation. God seateth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dry dwell in dry land. O God, when thou wentest before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. Father, thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us understanding of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to get started right away, rather than making any comments about the psalm right now, with our special guest. Thank you so much, Greg Maxwell. Thank you for joining us this this morning. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to go ahead and be in your show and stuff, and uh, I really appreciate it. Okay. Um, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Witnesses today, right. and I'd love for you to give a brief overview um, for our listeners. If you want to go back and listen to some of Greg's shows, he's been on several, um, you can go to um, episode 45, you can go to episode 66 and 67 and take a look at what he has to say on some other subjects. But this time we're going to stay close to the Jehovah Witness um, religion. Uh, For those out there, I'd like for you to give a brief overview, maybe not so brief. um, um, Let us know what it is about the Jehovah Witnesses that is so different than the, the God of the Bible that we serve. And we... And I've said this before in the past, we use um, the God of the Bible as our standard, um, as as our measuring stick to compare one religion over another to see if they're staying true to what the Bible says. So um, first tell us how the Jehovah Witnesses started as a religion. And, and by the way, let me just say right away, were you ever a Jehovah Witness? No, I've never studied to be a Jehovah Witness. None of my immediate family has ever been Jehovah Witnesses. So I've never been a Jehovah Witness. Okay, so your interest in, in in doing research on the Jehovah Witness religion was mainly because of your love for the people of that faith? Well, actually, I wouldn't say it started out as love. Uh, 
it was curiosity. Uh, you know, I attended a Calvary Chapel church and I had, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses, they go door to door and they have what's called uh, pioneers. And they do about uh, 90 hours a month and they have auxiliary pioneers who do about 45 uh, hours a month, like part time. And I had someone knock on my door. He was a Jehovah Witness representative. And he asked me questions and basically made me a spiritual pretzel. I, I couldn't answer him. Couldn't answer his questions that he presented to me, and but I knew he wasn't right. And then maybe a little while longer, I was out. I worked in downtown uh, L.A. and Los Angeles at a large law firm, and there were some Jehovah Witnesses. There was two of them, and then they talked to me. I happened to be walking by, and I just was scratching my head. I just I couldn't answer him. So uh, I started. I already read my Bible. I started looking at more. But I knew I had to get answers in order to go ahead and answer the Jehovah Witnesses. And so it made me dig deeper into the Bible, uh, exegetically, exegetically, looking at the original languages. And then I happened to meet a friend who knew a lot more about Jehovah Witnesses. He was never been a Jehovah Witness. And then I picked up some books. I started picking up books and reading books about the history and uh, and people who uh came out of Jehovah Witnesses, and then I was reading books, how they go ahead and answer, and then I would look at uh, theological books and commentaries and stuff. So I started getting answers to what I seen that the Jehovah Witnesses had posed to me. So I was able to go ahead and get answers. Okay, so tell us a few of the differences that you see in their faith and, and the God of the Bible that we serve. Well, uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, own, they deny the Trinity. You know, we believe in the tri- triunity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, three persons, but one God. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that. They believe only the Father is God. He's Jehovah. They believe that Jesus is a secondary God, but he's a God and he's created. We don't believe Jesus is created. They believe that Jesus is Michael Archangel. We believe that Jesus is eternally God. John 1, 1, uh, Jesus has always been the same from the beginning. Uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 8. But uh, another difference would be uh, the Holy Ghost. Jehovah Witnesses believe that the Holy Ghost is nothing but power. We believe that the Holy Ghost is the third person of, of the Trinity, and he's a person. Uh, other differences would go ahead and be, uh, as I said, the Jehovah Witnesses believe Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses will say that they believe that salvation is in the name of Jesus, but salvation for a Jehovah Witness, uh, is two, there's two tiers. There's one tier where, uh, you have 144,000 who are only going to heaven since the beginning of the Jehovah Witnesses. And they'll say the, Jehovah, the first Jehovah Witness was, was able, but they didn't start till the 1880s with a gentleman named Pastor Charles Taz Russell, who was a, a Presbyterian congregationist, and he went to, I think he studied with Second Day Adventists, and he ended up uh, starting his own religion. Uh, so they believe only 144,000 will go to heaven. The majority of Jehovah Witnesses, 99.9%, believe that earth is going to go ahead and be made a paradise, and they want to go ahead and be in paradise, and that uh, Jesus and his co-rulers, who are the 144,000, will go ahead and rule from heaven. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses won't take blood transfusions. They refuse to go ahead and take blood transfusions. Many, many people have died from uh, that uh, doctrine that was instituted by a guy named Knorr in uh, 1945. And they twist a, a Bible verse, Leviticus 17, 10 and 11, about not taking a blood or you'll be cut up. But it was Jewish dietary laws. Uh, for us, Salvation is based on putting faith in Jesus Christ and we have eternal life for a Jehovah Witness. They'll never know if they have eternal life till judgment comes and then they'll be determined by Jehovah whether they have a eternal life based on their works and everything like that. Okay, so so it's a works-driven religion. Yes, it's so, works-driven. So that's why they work so hard knocking on doors. They all want to make it to heaven. And, and well, go ahead. They'll say it's a great commission given in Matthew 28, uh, 20 through 22. That, you know, Jesus went ahead, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, 
that uh, Jesus, and he did, he gave the great commission to go out and preach, teaching and everything. But uh, Jesus and his disciples didn't go ahead and have field service reports or they had to put hours in or anything like that. Whereas the Jehovah Witnesses have to go ahead and do that. Uh, so they do it based on uh, having to go ahead and put hours in for the organization and stuff like that. Okay, so um, when you got interested in learning uh, more about the Jehovah Witnesses, it was mainly because they'd knocked on your door. You, it stirred up a curiosity in you, and yes. you wanted to be able to answer them. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about what their good news is then. What sure. is their good news? Well, it's important uh, when you talk to a Jehovah Witness, really, is that uh, is you have to remember that there are people like us. They have families. Uh, they work. And no one cares how much you know till they see how much you care. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to debate a Jehovah Witness or, you know, you're going to have your Bible open and you're going to start preaching, I wouldn't want someone doing that to me. So it has to be a dialogue. And you have to be able to go ahead and listen. And when I talk with them, I let them go ahead and I ask them questions. And then I have a pencil and a piece of paper. And then I allow them to go ahead and speak and I listen to them. So the good news of the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, they believe that, again, that earth is going to be made a paradise. And that the Jehovah Witnesses, that Jehovah God, Armageddon will happen. And then when Armageddon happens, everything will be destroyed. Uh, I have some publications here that I went ahead and got uh, from a, I got one from a bookstore and one from a thrift store. And if you go to this book right here, this is one of their newest books. It's called What Does the Bible Really Teach? And I'll hold it up real quickly for you, for your audience. And you'll look right here and you see on the first page right here, it shows, uh, the Bible teaches that God will bring about these changes on earth. So it shows uh, that when earth is restored to, to a paradise, people will go ahead and it shows a guy who's on the walker. Now he's restored health, a girl in a wheelchair. It shows a guy blind being able to see as his glasses off. It shows a kid dying that now all the families are not united. And then you see earth right here. You see the mountains and everything. So the goal of every Jehovah Witness the majority is not to go to heaven, but to be on earth, and earth is a paradise. So that's their good news that they go ahead and preach. And they have some scriptures that they go ahead and use. And uh, the Jehovah Witnesses are real methodical, and I, I want to tell you that they're very well organized. Uh, they have this. I have an older edition. This is a 2016 yearbook of Jehovah Witnesses. And right here, worldwide, there's... Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses going out in the field and door to door, they put in man hours, 1,933,473,727 hours going door to door. And the publishers are the people, you know, who go out and preach and stuff. Uh, was over 8 million, uh, people at peak time. So, uh, so it's well organized when they go out and then they put, they have cards at the field service cards and stuff that they go ahead and turn in with the, with their man hours that they go ahead and put okay, in. Okay, so all those man hours are clock. Yes. Okay, so what is the purpose of them knocking on doors? It see when I knock on doors to to tell um to to share Christ with others, my goal is to let them know that Jesus died on the cross for them. There was a purpose that Jesus came into this world as a man. He was fully God, but as a man, and that was for him to die on the cross for our sins, but also, I believe, was for us to get to know the Father, because the Bible says that no man comes to the Father but through him, Jesus. And so he died on the cross for us by accepting him as our Savior. We get to go to heaven with him, but but also we get to know the Father as we, you know, we can talk to the Father. Because of his his death, resurrection, and and ascension into heaven. So, what what is the purpose of them knocking on the door? Well, uh, first of all, they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. They believe that he died in an upright pool or, or torture stake. The reason that they go door to door, they have some scriptures that they believe they're doing the Great Commission and they're going worldwide to go ahead and preach the good news that the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, which is going to be a paradise earth. And there's uh, 
four main scriptures that I would like to go ahead and share with you. I, I have their Bible, uh, and it's called the New World's Translation of the Holy Scriptures, and uh, I provide a copy for you. So let's go ahead and go to their proof text, and I'll kind of explain what they go ahead and use, uh, the reason why they use these verses. The first one is Daniel 2.44, and that's on page uh, 1,209. All right, and that reads, In those days, the kings of the heaven, the God, I'm sorry, in those days, the kings of the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be, be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be passed on to any other people. It will crush and put it into all these kingdoms and it alone will stand forever. So and what's important though is I allow the Jehovah Witnesses to give their message. I'll listen, I'll be patient, and I tell them I just ask for the same. I said if there's anything I don't know, allow me please to go ahead and go and research or look it up. And I extend that same offer. So the lines of dialogue are being said if if you're not a Jehovah Witness and you're curious how to be able to share with them. So you know you have to go ahead and listen to them as they're going to go ahead and listen to you. So they use the scripture to go ahead and show that earth is going to go ahead, uh, that God's going to go ahead and have a kingdom, that kingdom's going to go ahead and destroy all the other kingdoms. And that's how I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. It's pretty plain. Another scripture that they go ahead and use is in Psalms. It's Psalms 37. That's page 779. And there's like about four verses that they go ahead and use. All right, I'll go ahead and read it. Psalms 37, and it reads, For the evil men will be done away with, but those hoping in Jehovah will possess the earth. Just a little while longer, the wicked will be no more, and you will look at where they are at, and they will not be there. But the meek will possess the earth, and they will find exquisite delight in the abundance of peace. One more scripture, verse 29 in the same chapter. The righteous will possess the earth, and then they will live forever on it. So they use those scriptures to go ahead and said, see, we're going to live forever on earth. This is proven that we're going to live forever on earth. But the Hebrew word also means land. So uh, I listened to them. Another scripture they like to use, uh, Rogi, is math, found in Matthew chapter uh, 6, 9 through 11. And for your readers, there's enough of their, uh, it's on page 13, 12. There's enough of truth in their Bible to go ahead and allow, allow them to share out their Bible. It's just a couple of texts where, you know, it, it's where it's been altered. So anyway, this is the Lord's Prayer, and it reads, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. You must pray then this way, Our Father in heaven, let your name be sanctified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will take place in heaven also on earth. Give us this day our bread for this day. So uh, what that's teaching, the Jehovah Witnesses are teaching that Jesus is praying the will of God, let your kingdom come. In other words, you have, uh, there's one kingdom, but you have in that one kingdom, you have heaven right here with the 144,000 and then you have a paradise earth. So that's the way that they see that scripture. What's important when you talk to the Jehovah Witnesses, if you're not certain, can you explain that verse the way that you see it for I can see it? So you allow them to go ahead and explain the verse the way that they see it. And I have a pencil and a piece of paper. I'm taking notes as they go ahead and and they're talking. I'm just taking down, you know, like the verse and then like the key point that they make. And that's the key point that they make. Now, the the very key verse is I ask them, you show me those verses, though, but you, you mentioned the good news of the gospel. Where is that saying that's the good news of the gospel? And they go, oh, yeah, let me go ahead and take you here. Go to Matthew 24, 14. So staying in the book of Matthew. And you can go ahead and read that. I'll follow along as you read it. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the inhabited earth for the witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So if I was a Jehovah Witness, I would tell you, you asked about preaching and going door to door and stuff. We're doing what the command here goes. We're going to all the inhabited earth, and we're preaching the good news of the kingdom. Alrighty. Okay. So after they go ahead and show me all those texts, I ask, can you explain it a little bit more? And they'll explain it. And then I'll ask them, all right, so the good news is that, is that, uh, is earth is going to be made a paradise. And they said, yes. 
So, or gospel, but they use good news as a Greek word, euangelion. So then I ask the Jehovah Witnesses, I'll say, uh, can I go ahead and, Al, oh, your Bible, I'd like to see how it reads. Can you go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4? Okay. And uh, would you like to go ahead? It's on page 1540. Yeah. I can. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I remind you, brother, brothers, of the good news that I declare to you, which also, which you also accepted, and for which you have taken your stand. Through, through it, you are also being saved if you hold firmly to the good news. I declare to you, unless you become believers for nothing, for among the first things I handed on to you was that I also received that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, yes, that he was raised up, and on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, you can stop there. So one thing that's important, Arodi, is when you talk to a Jehovah Witness, make sh- if they ask you, if they share a scripture with you, you go ahead and read the scripture. Said, so let me go ahead and read it. And then when you share a scripture, like we, what I shared with you, First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you make sure they read it because that way the Holy Spirit has their full attention and can speak to their heart, mind, soul. Because if, if you're reading the scripture to them, then they're looking at another verse or something, how to go ahead and answer you, but they have your full attention. So after they go ahead and read that verse, then I asked the Jehovah Witness these questions. Can you explain that to me? Uh, starting with the first verse there. Uh, what, what's Paul saying there? He's talking about the good news there in verse one, right? Which you accepted. All right, but he's, he's mentioning, yes, and he's yeah. mentioning the good news there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Roby, is he saying a good news or the good news? The good news. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't mean that there's many good news. It means that the good news. And he mentions about accepting it. And then in verse 2, what do you see there? Um, that you're also being saved if you firmly, if, if you hold firmly to the good news. Yes, excellent. And then I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, it mentions about being saved. So it's saying that, that this good news means it gives you eternal life because you're being saved, right? Mm-hmm. And they agree. And again, I asked them, and you can look at it, does it say a good news or the good news? The good news. Yes. Then I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, what is the good news that, that Paul's declaring to them? And I let them figure it out. We just read the first four verses. So, so it says here that um, um, among the first things I handed to you was that I also received that Jesus died for their sins, according to the scriptures. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Uh-huh. All right. But that's not the good news, though. If, if Jesus died, then it's no different. Muhammad died. But there's a difference between Jesus and Muhammad, and Paul tells us in the next verse. And that he was buried. Yes, he was raised up on the third day, according to the scriptures. So what is the good news that Paul's declaring to us? I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, what is the good news that Paul's declaring to us? See, I want them to figure it out instead of me telling them. So I asked you, what is the good news that Paul's telling us? That Jesus died for their sins. And what else? On the third day, he rose again. Yes. Just like the scripture said. Yes. So does Paul mention anything about paradise earth here as good news? No. Nothing. He mentions that the death, burial, and resurrection of of Jesus is a good news. Nothing about paradise earth. So then I asked the Jehovah Witnesses. I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, yeah, that's his death, burial, and resurrection is... A good news, but it's like a puzzle. You have to put everything together as other good news. But I make sure that I point out that it says the good news a couple times in, in these verses. Then from there, I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, does a good news start from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and cover all the way to Revelation? And 99.9, in fact, 100% of the time, they tell me yes. And I tell them I agree with you. And can I see how this scripture reads out of your Bible? Because Jesus is agreeing with what, what you're saying about the good news starting from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. So I have them go to Luke chapter 24. And again, you have them read it out of their Bible, and then you have them explain it to you. First, you have them read through it. 
and you have them stay in context. Sometimes they, they might want to go to a different subject, you know, maybe the Trinity or the deity of Christ or, or, you know, whether Jesus was crucified on the cross. And then I tell them, we can deal with all that later. Let's stay on the one subject we're talking about, which is the good news right here, because that's what's important. The other stuff we can go ahead. Now that's important too, but this is very important. This is so, so anyway, you go ahead and read from 44 through 48. He then said unto them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all the things written about me in the law of Moses and in the, and, and in the prophets and the Psalms <coughs> must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds fully to grasp the meaning of the scriptures. And he said unto them, this is what is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise from among the dead on the third day. And on the basis of his name, repentance for forgiveness of sins would be preached in all the nations starting out from Jerusalem. You are to be witnesses of these things. Wow. All right. Yeah. So what I do, Rody, when I share with them, one of the key verses, I bring them to verse 45. And I said, let's go ahead and look at it. And then I tell them, do you notice that Jesus, he opened up their minds to grasp the scriptures? So I'm making that point to them, to grasp the scriptures. And what was the point? What was his reference point that he pointed to, to open up their minds? It tells us in 44. Okay. Okay, so um, he says here that my words that I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all these things written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. So everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. I asked the Jehovah's Witnesses and they're going to agree. But what was it that opened up their mind that all the prophets talked about? And Jesus is sharing. What is it? I asked the Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, you just read it. So please go to verse 46, I tell him, and, and tell me what is the message that opened up their minds. That Christ would suffer and rise from among the dead on the third day. What Paul had said later on in 1 Corinthians 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the same thing that Jesus is teaching his disciples. And then he said, on the basis of this, go out and preach to all the nations. It mentions nothing about paradise or absolutely not about paradise or and then I'll bring the Jehovah Witnesses to their proof text. We can I'll just paraphrase it, Daniel 244, that you have a kingdom that will go ahead and destroy all these other kingdoms. That doesn't mention that's a good news. Psalms 37, 9 through 11, and 29, where it mentions about uh, that the meek will inherit the earth. And I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, it only mentions two groups there. You have the meek and you have the evil and are the 144,000 meek. Well, they go ahead and inherit and they'll tell me, no, I says, well, hold on. It doesn't say that. It's a promise made to those who are meek. The 144,000 are meek. And then I asked the Jehovah Witnesses this. I said that uh, you're preaching a paradise earth, but that earth is never called paradise. In fact, uh, uh, before I'll bring the Jehovah Witnesses to this verse. Uh, Matthew, let's go to Matthew 24, 14, because they'll point me right back to that verse. And I'm going to go ahead and read that verse. And I'm going to read it. And when I read it, I want you to correct me, all right? And this good news is the kingdom will be preached in all the inhabited earth for a witness to all the nations and the end will come. I purposely read it wrong to the Jehovah Witness. Did you catch what I said? Yeah, it's the kingdom instead of of the kingdom. Yes. So when the Jehovah Witnesses read Matthew 24, 14, as they're reading it that says the good news is the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom that's going to go to all the world is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. No one preached a paradise for any place in the Bible. Earth is never, asked the Jehovah Witnesses, earth is never called a paradise. No place. Show me any place in the Bible where earth is called paradise. In Genesis 2, 9, 15, Genesis 3, 8, 3, 10, and 3, 23, it's called a garden. And in Genesis 2, 9, it says the garden is of the east. So the whole earth was not a paradise, nor was it a garden. Only a small portion of the earth where Adam and Eve was. And then you're telling me, Mr. Jehovah Witness, that earth was a paradise. There's no evil in paradise, right? 
You had Satan in the garden before Adam and Eve, so how could it be paradise? Earth is never called paradise. No one's ever preaching earth as paradise. They preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In fact, uh, another scripture that you that they that they like to use that we used earlier is Matthew six nine through eleven, where it just mentions, "Let your will be done on earth as in heaven." It talks about the will of God being done on earth as in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Jesus tells us what the will of God is on earth and in heaven. So let's go to John chapter six. And I share this with the Jehovah Witnesses. What what verse? Uh, verse thirty nine and forty. In fact, thirty eight through forty. And I'll go ahead and read it. Starting with verse thirty eight, reading from the New World's Translation. For I come down from heaven to do not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me that I should lose none of all those whom You have given me, but I should resurrect them on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my father, everyone who recognizes a son and exercises faith in him should have everlasting life and I will resurrect them on the last day. So their Bible says exercising faith. I make it a point to say that it doesn't say exercising works, meaning doing works. It says exercising faith. And what do we have to exercise faith in? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And those who put faith in that saving message that you mentioned in the beginning of your show, that Jesus atoned for our sins, that Jesus says that he will lose none of them. He's a great shepherd. He will lose none of them. Mm-hmm. And then from there, what I go ahead and do, Rody, is the Jehovah Witnesses, I'll tell them that you go door to door and you spread the good news and they'll tell you yes. And then I've had Jehovah Witnesses tell me, do you go door to door? And I said, yes. I'm knocking on your door right now. I love it. And then from there, I bring him to Acts 5.42. So let's go to Acts 5.42, knocking on their spiritual door. And I'd like for you to read this. 1468. These are the thinnest pages. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a newer Bible. Okay, I can't split this up. Just a second. I want to read it too. All right. So hang on. Bear with me, guys. That's okay. Sorry about that. I may have to. Do you want to trade? What? No, no. I may have to lift my finger. Yeah, go ahead. I don't like to do that. Um, Okay, Uh, 542. Mm-hmm. And every day in the temple and from the house and from house to house, they continued without letting up teaching and declaring the good news about Jesus Christ from mm-hmm. Christ Jesus. And let me read it. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue without let up teaching and declaring of the good news about paradise. Or- no, no. They de- talked about Jesus. The disciples talked about his death, burial, and resurrection. Yes. If you're a Jehovah Witness, no one preached a paradise earth, no place in the Bible. Ask your elders. They can't show you any scripture in the Bible where earth is ever called paradise. That is not the good news. Now what I have Jehovah Witnesses, they'll tell me, well, hold on a second. You know, you're talking about one aspect of the good news. You, it's a puzzle. You have to put it all together. It, that's just one. That's just one aspect of it. And then when they tell me that, I said, let's go to Galatians chapter one. Can I remember the chapter one verse six through uh, nine? And I'll go ahead and read it if you don't mind. Okay. I am. A, this is from the New World's Translation. I am amazed that you are so quickly turned away from the one who called you with Christ's undeserved quiet kindness to another sort of good news. Not that there is another good news, but there are other, there are certain ones who are causing you trouble and wanting to distort the good news about the Christ. However, even if we or an angel out of heaven were declared to you as good news, something beyond the good news we declared to you, let him be accursed. That means a holy curse on you. As we have said before, I now say again, whoever is declaring to you as good news, something beyond what you have accepted, let him be accursed. So you see right here, like in verse seven, it wow. mentions the good news. And I, and, I, and I have a piece of paper. I draw a box and I said, the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the box. And if anybody goes out and preaches another good news, then the Bible, the apostle says a holy curse be on him. So it's not like this is a good news about Jesus and you need to put all these other good news to get Together, it's a puzzle. The good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Rody. And if anybody, 
If anybody's preaching another good news, then a holy curse go ahead and be put upon them. No one's preaching the, the good news any place that the Jehovah Witnesses are preaching in the Bible. It's a different, it's a foreign good news that's no place in the Bible. Wow. And when you tell them that, what do they say? Uh, they're real quiet. They'll be poker face. But I learned this. No one cares how much you know till they see how much you care. So I want the Jehovah Witnesses to know that I love them. I care about them. And then I'll give them an analysis. If I'm wrong, just maybe you can go back and do research. And if we run into each other again, you can go ahead and show me where you're, where I'm wrong. And, you know, just I learned read the, read the Bible as a child and look at it and don't have a magazine or a book. Just let Jehovah God and let the Bible go ahead and speak to you. And I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah will never go ahead and lie. Men lie. Jehovah never lies. You believe in Jehovah, but are you trusting Jehovah and what he says in his word? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not an organization is the truth and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And what he goes ahead mentions. And another verse, if I have time, I like to share it with him, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And that's page uh, 1547. Mm-hmm. And what, what verse is? That's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Okay. And uh, I'll go ahead and read that. If, in fact, the good news we declare is veiled, it is veiled among those who are perishing, among whom the God of this system of things has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that the illumination of the glorious good news about the Christ, who is in the image of God, might shine through. For we are not preaching not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord ourselves and as slaves for Christ's sake. So, Paul's saying if Arden good, if his good news that the disciples are preaching, uh, if they can't see it, it's because Satan has blinded their eyes. And he says when people are blind, the good news that removes that blinder, he tells you right here. And what is that good news that removes? It's an illumination. And I like, for, and I ask the Jehovah Witnesses, what is that good news that removes the blindness, the spiritual blindness? Verse four. And I'll help you out. Unbelief. Yes, they have unbelief, but in verse four, it says that their minds are blinded, but the illumination, the illumination is a glorious good news about Christ. And what's the good news about Christ that removes the blindness? It's his death, burial, and resurrection. And Rodi, I'd like to bring you back here, uh, when I share with the Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses will say, yeah, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But they believe that he's a spirit, that he's a spirit in heaven. So I asked the Jehovah Witnesses, when Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, go to 1 Corinthians 15, when, when Jesus was crucified on a, on the, and I'll use their term, let's say he was on a torture stake, when he was crucified on the torture stake, he said, Father, I commend my spirit to you. So in order to have a resurrection, something has to go ahead and die. So let's go right here. First Corinthians 15 and, uh, three, four, and five. And I'll ask you questions that as I ask the Jehovah Witnesses. And we have looked at this before. First Corinthians 15. <laughs> and, and remember this, uh, Rody, and for, for the television audience, remember the Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that Jesus has a physical body in heaven, nor do they believe that he rose physically from the dead. So I have the Jehovah Witnesses read this and I'll have you read it. And I'll ask you the question for among the first things, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, you go ahead. And read. For among the first things I handed up on to you was what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So stop right there. So what died? Was Christ. it his spirit? Was it his spirit or his body that died? His body died. Yes. Christ died for our sins yes. according to the scriptures. Alrighty. Now go ahead and just read the next five words. And that he was buried. So look right here. I have a pen. And then he was on the torture stake or the pole or cross. He died. Then he was buried in the tomb. I'll keep on reading. Yes, that he was raised up on the third day according to the scriptures. What was raised from the dead? His body. The Jehovah Witnesses will tell you, no, his spirit was raised. And I asked, hold on. His spirit wasn't buried into the tomb. His body was buried. And it wasn't a different body. 
The very body he died in was the same body that was buried in the tomb and re- rose from the dead. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus raised as a spirit creature, that he was raised as a spirit. So that goes against what the gospel is here. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The Jehovah Witnesses will bring me to 1 Corinthians 15.50, where it says that flesh and blood can't go ahead and inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, can't inherit, uh, yeah, the kingdom, or can't inherit heaven. But that verse says the kingdom of God. And Jesus, and if we go to Luke 24, 36 through 44, 46. Yeah, page 1423. And I'll go ahead and read it. And why they were speaking these words, this is Jesus, and he appears to the disciples, he raised from the dead. He himself stood in their midst and said to them, may you have peace. But because they were terrified and frightened and thought they imagined that they were seeing a spirit, just like the Jehovah's witness believed that he was raised as a spirit, he said to them, why are you troubled and why have doubts come in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is myself. Touch me to see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So Jesus mentions flesh and bones. It was his blood that was shed for us. And then verse 40, and he said, to, and he, and he, and as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. A spirit doesn't have hands and feet. But while they still were not believing for sure joy and amazement, he said to them, do you have something to eat? So he handed them a piece of boiled fish. And he took it and he ate before their eyes. And spirits don't go ahead and eat. So we're kind of covering a little bit about the resurrection of Christ. But again, the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And that Christ went ahead and he rose in his physical body. The atonement was not his, because the Jehovah Witnesses believe that the atonement was his body and his blood. But it's like, let's go ahead and say that you have a son and your son is captured and he's kidnapped. And then someone asks for a million dollars. Will you come with a million dollars, you know, in a, in a, in a sack and you give them the million dollars? Well, it's the money, which is, uh, the ransom, not the sack. With Jesus, the ransom was his blood, not his body. So he wasn't an Indian giver at all. So the Jehovah Witnesses are wrong when they think that it was his body that was had to go ahead and atone for, you know, that was part of the ransom. So okay, interesting. I I do I do want you. I know that you showed me this earlier, and I do want you to talk about. Uh, you mentioned that they believed that he was on a on a pole, died on a pole. Yeah, and you call that a punishment pole. No, it's called a torture stake, and I happen to have a magazine right here. And if you look right here, I'll hold it up for your listeners. And it shows Jesus being crucified on a on a well, they'll say impelled on a on a torture stake. All right. And then here's a picture of Jesus carrying the instead of a cross, a pole. Mm-hmm. And uh in the New World's translation, it says that Jesus was crucified. I meant that he was impelled on a pole. Our Bible says cross. So one of the Bibles is wrong. One of us is wrong. One of us is right. So what I would like you, what I had a Jehovah Witness do one day as I asked them to go ahead, let's use your Bible. I told them to go ahead and go to John chapter 20. And I might have my Bible. I used the Holman Bible, but I'm going to use the New World's Translation also. John chapter 20. Yes. And give me one sec. I'll get there. And I have them read it. But the first question I go ahead and ask a roadie, I'll say that no one in the Christian churches or in the kingdom halls or Jehovah Witnesses, no one today was alive 2,000 years ago. So your church goes ahead or your religion says it's a pole. My religion says it's a cross. Someone's a false witness because First Corinthians 1, 17 and 18 talks about enemies of the cross. Your Bible says enemies of the torture stick. So we had eyewitnesses who were there. So if Jesus is like this, I'll ask the Jehovah Witnesses on a pole, how many nails would be in his hands? One. Yeah, because it's a thick stake. It's not like two small nails. And in the picture right here, I'll hold it up for your audience again. You'll go ahead and see that it's one nail in his hands. Alrighty. 
So, but if he's on a cross like this, how many nails would there be? You'd need two. Yeah, you would need two. So let's go ahead and go to John chapter 20, verse 24. And I'm going to have you read it. And this is when Jesus rose from the dead. But Thomas, one of the twelve, who was called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and 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 stick my finger into the print of the nails i stick my hand into the and stick my hand into the side i will never believe it so i asked the jehovah witnesses thomas was there and thomas is he saying nail or is he saying nails plural well nails plural and how many times does he say nails plural uh he says can look it up in verse 25 he says, I've seen the print of the nails. Nails twice. Yes, he says it twice. And does he say anything about his feet there? Because the Jehovah Witnesses will say he's talking about his feet. Or does it mention just hands there? It just mentions hands. And it says nails plural. So it's more than one nail showing that Jesus was crucified on a cross. Nails, not nail, but nails Plural. Right. Now, if Jesus was on a torture stake, it would, the sign would be above his hands, as it is in this picture, right? Right. If he's on a cross like this with his hands spread out, where would the uh, sign be at? Over his head. It would be over his head. So let's go ahead, and I believe it's Matthew 27. Let me go ahead and find it here, and let's go ahead and see what the Bible says. Yes, I did. Matthew 27. Uh, let's see. Alrighty. It's Matthew chapter 27, verse 36. And start with 35 where we can get the con context. And read it from the New World Translation from the Jehovah Witness Bible. Because it reads the same in my Bible, too. I have the Holman Bible or the you know, King James. When they had nailed him to the stake, they distributed his outer garments by casting lots. And they sat there keeping watch over him. They also posted above his head the charge against him in writing. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. So you have right there, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does it say that the signs above his hands or above his head? Above his head. Yes. So you have there that the sign is above his head. This picture is incorrect. The Jehovah Witnesses are incorrect. And if they're just incorrect on something like this, then they're incorrect on many things. As I went ahead and mentioned, like the, the good news of Paradise Earth, the way that Jesus was, was crucified. He was not crucified on a torture stake. He was crucified on a cross. The sign was above his hands. He had nail prints on both of his hands. And I have an article that I thought was pretty interesting here. And it's a way that uh, I got from a Jehovah Witness. And it's right here. I'll hold it for your eyes. You can see it. It's a way April uh, 2014. And it says this, how to accept correction. And it captioned what you can do. Look at the matter objectively. Correction that hurts must be the correction that you need the most. Stay humble. Do not let Pride cause you to reject correction. On the other hand, do not allow yourself to become overwhelmed with discouragement because you have something to work on. Humility will help you to avoid either extreme. Remember, correction that hurts must be the correction that you need most of all. Be thankful if you find correction difficult to accept. Why not express your gratitude to the person who gave it? Undoubtedly, that person has your best interests at heart and truly wants you to succeed. Wow. So, uh, and uh, someone asked me, why do you go ahead and talk to the Jehovah Witness? Or I even had a Jehovah Witness one time ask me this. Why are you talking to us? What's your purpose? And I told them, open up your Bible and read James 5, 19 through 20. And I'm going to hold you, hand you my Bible. And I'd like for you to go ahead and read what I had the Jehovah Witnesses read. James 5, 19 and 20. And I said, this is why I'm talking to you. My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, he should know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. 
So I said, Mr. Jehovah Witnesses, that's why I talk to you, because I care about you and I love you. And you're being lied to, and I'm not asking you to trust me, you trust the Word of God in the Bible. Gosh, there was so much that we covered today. We may have to have you back to cover a little bit more that I thought about. Um, however, we'll talk about that in a minute. Listen, if you, if some of this resonates with you and you've seen some holes in, in your Bible, um, and you're following it, let's just say the Jehovah Witnesses and would like to research this a little bit more to make it more comfortable for you to see that we're telling the truth. I would really like for you to read in the sections that we've mentioned before, go back to the tape and read for yourself. But if you have come to the conclusion that today you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior, he died for your sins on the cross, then follow me in the simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Help me and my walk with you as I accept you as my Lord and Savior today. Come into my heart and life. Help me to walk with you for, and forget about the past of all those wrongdoings that I was following. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have made that commitment to Jesus today and would like to let us know, write us to www on the road with Jesus and road is spelled R H O D E. On the bottom of the page, there's a place that you can write me and email me or go to R A H Fisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com and email me there and let us know that you've accepted Jesus. Or you can call me at 951-817-0094 and leave a message there. I want to thank you for joining us again and and bringing the truth to us. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.